This afternoon, we have here with us Harold and Sean. Hi, Jan. It is great to be with you today. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say. You have had the opportunity to see and experience God in so many different ways. As you look back over these years, what are some of your favorite moments with God? Go ahead. We couldn't begin to tell you all the cool ones. No, you can't see her. Actually, I love the verse in Psalm 23 where he says he does, he takes us on the paths that we go on, on the right paths for his name's sake. He wants to show us himself. And he wants to have us understand him by his names. I could mention protector. In the country that we work in, we do deal with a lot of floods and storms and typhoons and sick, uh, sicknesses, as well as um, sometimes there's riots, sometimes there's mobs and wild road adventures. <laughs> One teeny little story. One time there was <laughs> some political tensions going on. And so a large mob assembled planning to march against our hospital, march against our hospital where we work. And there's a lot of people that live and work in that area. It's basically a small town. Yeah. And we heard that this mob had assembled and was coming. So we assembled and started praying and singing songs to the God that we know. And suddenly there was a huge clap of thunder. And this was not the rainy season, but we had an absolute downpour. In the winter, it does not rain there. And this downpour happened right at our hospital site. And the mob went home. God is our protector, and we praise him for that. This is a podcast that tells stories about what God is doing right now in the world. We focus on what is happening with, in, or through Christians. The Bible says in Psalm 107, verses 1 and 2, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others He has redeemed you from your enemies. I'm your host, Emma Moore. Our interviewer is Jan Geppert. Let's get started. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Seeing God. As you have already heard, today's interview is with Harold and Sean. They have been missionaries in South Asia for over 30 years. Harold actually grew up there as well and then spent some time teaching children in the same location before he and Sean got married. They were both born into Christian families, and they each began their relationships with God at the age of four. They have said that family devotions, which refers to a a family time dedicated to teaching children about God and about the Bible, it often includes reading the Bible together and praying, Um, those times were instrumental for both of them in their decisions to follow God. They originally came to South Asia to do Bible translation, but since then, both of their roles have expanded, and now they find themselves in a, in a quite different spot than they anticipated. We'll get to hear about all of those things, and we'll also hear a lot about the various challenges that they have faced and are facing. We'll also get to hear a lot about how to recognize God's voice and how to know that something is His will. So now let's go ahead and jump right back in and hear some more of their favorite moments with God.
there's been a group of people cut off from us by a national border that we have been praying for for years that are basically unreached. God allowed a tragedy among them where they were persecuted and driven across the border and close to a million people moved across into our area where we had some access to them. We still couldn't go visit them. But God brought them to us because we had the only hospital at that time that could do complex surgery. And so the clinics down there referred their complex surgical cases to us. That meant those patients had to spend an extensive time in the hospital. We happened to have the Jesus film in their language. Happened. And just by God's wonderful grace. And our evangelists and you know social workers our staff at the hospital is able to speak a language very similar to theirs just a dialect of theirs and so they were able to hear God's word time after time many were interested and were just depending on him to put them in touch with groups of believers as they move back into their refugee camp. So we also know him as salvation. That's for yeah, sure. God Another is. thing that we really are thrilled to be involved in, in working cross-culturally, one of the names that we know our God as is he is the peacemaker. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the unifier. And to be able to be brothers and sisters with a whole lot of people that we get to celebrate forever with is an absolute privilege. A highlight of every year is Palm Sunday, when all of the children, since we're in a tropical area of Asia, we all get to cut down our own little uh, palm palm branches branches and everybody decorates them. And we set up a huge parade singing at the top of our voices that make way for the Prince of Peace and to be able to worship our um, king Mm. with them is a wonderful privilege. It's a beautiful thing to see. I don't think you were prepared to share this, but you shared with me an incredible story of a challenge that you faced a number of years ago. I think you were in your 40s when God brought a health challenge to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would mm-hmm. you mind sharing briefly what I would be, happened? I and, would be glad to. And how God spoke And it was a favorite moment with God. I had a, a brain tumor. And the surgeon assumed that I would not be able to be mobile or verbal anymore. When she went into I, the emergency room, this is before the surgery, the result and of... And after also, he yeah. came in to see if I was able to move or speak at all and was actually very surprised and said, you are a very lucky girl. It just so happened... Um, one of my habits is part of my time with the Lord each day is to read one psalm. And the psalm that he had given me the day after surgery says, I'll sing of the Lord's great love forever and I'll tell of his faithfulness to every, every generation. And he affirmed that, that that was his purpose for me in that I was still able to speak and um, be able to praise his faithfulness. I know that you have had a passion in your hearts for observing and joining God. What have you been doing specifically in your time in South Asia? Well, God took us there originally to be involved in Bible translation. Mm -hmm. And then he's just kind of expanded that over the years. If we saw people needed to learn to read, to be able to read the translation, that got us on into both literacy and starting schools in villages. Mm -hmm. From that, I started working with the evangelists who shared God's word in villages. That 
expanded into working with pastors into theological education. Eventually, when our hospital administrator retired, I became interim hospital administrator, and that took me away a bit from some of the other things. And I've also, for the past 20 years or so, been the field team leader. Mm. So it's sort of a variety. I have a finger in many little pots out there. He's also an active teacher, so he gets opportunities to teach in a lot of seminars and conferences and churches and other things like that. I've been wife, mom, daughter, uh, By the way, Christ. God has used her in that role. When our boys were young, mm-hmm. she focused her attention on raising them rather than involvement in official ministry. Mm-hmm. And she had many of the nationals there talk to her and say, it is so important for us to have a role model of a mother raising her children in a godly way. Mm-hmm. Since then, she's transitioned Mm -hmm. to involvement since our boys. I used to always say to her, she'd say, oh, I have this idea, that idea, no time to do it. I said, stick it away, file it. And when the boys are gone and you have time, take it out and get to work. I appreciate that so much because you have lived through those mommy years in that season of life. Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah, when you had another season come, Mm -hmm. you've done so many other things. So Mm -hmm. how has God been using you after that? Well, actually, I taught our children as they grew up. Mm -hmm. I continue to teach now, but God has opened up some exciting possibilities. For the most part, families do not have books in their home to help them in being able to train their children to have devotions as a family, for children to have books to read. So after having taught our children, I wanted to be involved in getting good materials into their hands. So I now work with our literature production, grant applications for more book production. I continue to teach um, as well as do our organization's Facebook and website articles and um, coaching people that are studying the national language in the country that we work in. So, so much of what you've had to do with is with communication and teaching. That's right. And literacy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Harold, when you say that you have led uh, this your group out there, like how many people are are you talking about? We normally have about forty to fifty adult expatriates involved in one of many many NGO programs there. The hospital being the largest, but also a literature division, many education programs. Mm-hmm. and theological education, mm-hmm. um, what we call cultural research, which is literacy and translation work, including Bible translation work into the various ethnic groups in the area that don't yet have God's word. Well, God has used the two of you in so many ways, but he has led you into a particular part of the journey right now. So right now you are not in South Asia. You are uh, in um North America. And how long have you been here? We have been back in the United States since March. We were scheduled to return for Mm -hmm. 10 months. We were scheduled to return back to our area of service in uh, first of September. Mm -hmm. But shortly after we returned, I began to experience some really strange symptoms. Mm -hmm. And these symptoms came on really quickly where I just became absolutely weak and was losing a pound and a half a day to the point where I had lost 40 pounds. 
Yeah, and, and we, they, our listeners yeah. can't see you, but you couldn't afford to lose 40 I couldn't pounds, afford right? to lose 40 pounds. <laughs> yeah. I started off skinny, yeah. and I went well beyond mm. <laughs> um, skinny mm. to the point where I was basically bedridden. I couldn't walk, mm. uh, just a teeny bit with a cane, and Sean or my dad had to help me up one stair to get to the dining room. I couldn't eat. I thought I had a concussion. I'd taken a fall while I was out running. Mm. My brother-in-law came to visit and said, listen, it's more than that. You've got to go get checked out. Mm. So I went to get checked out. The doctor had blood work done and my white blood cells were off the charts. Mm. They did a CAT scan and they said, you've got leukemia. Mm. And that was a surprise. Uh, But it's turned out to be an amazing, uh, really a gift from God, where we see him working in our lives. We've seen him work in so many different ways to preserve us. First of all, we saw him work in the timing. This could have happened in Asia. I could have grown weak. I could have had to be medevaced out. I was in no condition to fly in an economy or whatever. Mm-hmm. By the time I would have had to be medevaced out, God brought us here to where we are, where there is extremely good medical care. And we have been very happy with that. God also worked in the timing of when I became ill because we came back. We needed to move my parents over to where my children work, my in-laws over to where my children live. And God allowed us to do that. And the next week I came down with the symptoms after we had returned home. That was just an amazing piece of timing. Mm -hmm. So we were diagnosed with leukemia, went into chemo, and God, in an amazing way, wiped it out in one chemo treatment. My white blood cell count went from off the charts down to below normal in one chemo treatment and has stayed there ever since. God has given me back a lot of my strength. I've gained back all of the weight. He's worked in amazing ways, but there's always... That wasn't where... That was, yes, that's not the end of the story. That's one phase of the story that prepared us for the next phase. And you at that time were very much trusting God and you were expecting good from his hand. Oh, absolutely. And we got a different kind of good from his hand. And that is... Um, as I was gaining weight, gaining strength, my lymph nodes were also swelling. And they tested that and said, you know what? Your leukemia has morphed into lymphoma or perhaps a separate cancer. They've never known which it was, but you've got lymphoma. And I began chemo treatment then for lymphoma. I got most of the way through one set of chemo. The leukemia was dealt with. God wiped it out using the medicine. And immediately I went in to had to start over again with the series for lymphoma and was involved in that for three months and then got tested again. They said, you know, this is not working. And uh, we said, wow, uh, where do we go from here? And I wasn't able to get I was in a transition in insurance. I was in it was right at the end of the year. And I wasn't able to get the appointments needed to get a biopsy, get a test, see where we're at. And God just cleared away every hurdle. Mm -hmm. Our insurance cards came a week earlier than expected. So we had them in time in order to set up the treatment, the biopsy. They heard my situation. They moved my surgical appointment up. And when the surgeon met with me, he said, 
we need to get going on this. How soon can you have this done? I said, any time. He said, what about tomorrow morning? I've never heard of a search and scheduling you in the afternoon for the next morning. But he said, let's put you on first tomorrow morning and get this thing taken care of. So God has been actively at work each step of the way. And as we have faced, you know, some disappointments, it's disappointing when your leukemia is healed and you find out you have lymphoma, when you're being treated for lymphoma and you find out, well, that's not quite working. At every step, God has given us absolute assurance that he's in control. We'll walk out of a doctor's appointment and just the right song will be playing about God's control of the situation and our praise to his name. I'll read just the right devotional or God will lead me to just the right verses that will encourage me that, hey, I'm in control here. I am doing something good. I am working for the glory of my name. And through this, he has given us countless opportunities, not only to know him, which is amazing, but also to share him with other people. This is one of those opportunities. We're thrilled at the opportunity to praise God's name. And that basically, that's what Paul said when he talked about his imprisonment. He said, you know, all that has happened to me has happened for the progress of the gospel. All that has happened to me is working out for my deliverance. And he was in jail. And I just want to second that. God is delivering me from sin. He's delivering me one way or another from disease. Mm -hmm. Either he's going to heal me temporarily now or he's going to heal me eternally. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure which it's going to be, but God's delivering us. Mm -hmm. He's also bringing about the progress of the gospel. We can't be in our field of service, working with our NGO, but God has brought people from that country to us. Sean, do you want to share the person you met and how that happened, or do you want me to? Okay, I'll go ahead and share. We were able to meet with some people from our country, and one of their husbands has cancer. And so Sean was able to introduce me to him, and we've been able to show God's love to him in exciting ways. And so just that kind of opportunity that you don't expect. And God opens up opportunities to share his name in many ways. Sean, you've been part of all of this. You don't have the cancer, but you are in this right along with Harold. And what has this been like for you? He's been teaching us some very good things about he's, how he's in, in charge. Yeah. And we're thankful for that. He is in charge. And also he's been showing us in our weakness, he's strong. You got some news this week that was um, not what you were hoping to hear. We assumed that we were going to be able to go back real soon if this if this new medicine kicked in and did what it needed to be doing, that we'd be able to go back and uh, serve God where he had, where he's called us. Mm-hmm. And things are temporarily on pause. The doctors have no way of knowing what the future looks like, and neither do any of us. So this affirms to us that God's the one in charge, and he's with us right here, and he will be our shepherd in the days ahead as well. Yeah. You used a phrase a little bit ago, um, or you, you explained that God is 
perfectly happy to leave us dangling. Mm-hmm. What did you mean by that? Meaning God will leave us in a situation where we have no clue how in the world he can rescue us, will rescue us, when he'll rescue us. But we know that he is doing good and will come to our rescue. He's got the net down there below us. We don't see it. And he'll put us in a situation that Sean calls a catastrophe, And we got that from some other NGO worker friends of ours who got that from J.R.R. Tolkien, you know, especially describing in The Lord of the Rings where you've got the great ending where it appears that all is lost. Mm-hmm. And yet triumph happens out of catastrophe, and God brings triumph out of catastrophe. He has always done so, and we believe that he will continue to do so. I'll just share an unrelated triumph out of catastrophe. Back when I was involved in translation work, I had a coworker who was amazing, irreplaceable, I thought. And eventually he ended up being killed. He was my one co-worker in that language group. And right at that time, God was working in an amazing way, drawing people to himself to the point where he had said, I can't keep sitting here in this office making literature for my people. They want to hear about God and turn to God. I've got to go out. And I said, go for it. And just within a year or two after that, he was killed. And we thought, what will happen now? He was killed right at the beginning of Easter weekend. We got the word. We thought, what, what is God doing? How will this work go on? After Easter weekend, another believer who was involved as a community health worker. From the same people group. From the same people group. Came down and told us how God had used him to start a church in a new village and see many people turn to Christ and be baptized. Mm. We said that is God's affirmation that his work doesn't depend on anyone. It depends on his spirit. His spirit blows where it wills on whomever he wills, and he raises up people to do his work. And we have seen that time after time. Mm. You've had a long time of knowing God and seeing him work. Is there anything, like what surprises you most about what God does? Years ago, I especially enjoyed the verse where Jesus said, I have come so you could have life fully, abundantly. I assumed by that it meant a really fun, full life. <laughs> I can still relate I to like, that. Yeah. I like adventures. Yeah. I like fun things to happen. And I assumed Jesus came to give us this kind of an abundant life. And he has. We have experienced God in astounding ways through our years. However, recently he has shown me that what he really meant by that verse is he was pointing to himself when he said, I've come so you could have life. He himself in other places said, I'm your life. He's the one we treasure. And he is come to me and drink and you'll be satisfied eat my flesh. And what he's saying is, I'm the life. I'm your source of life. It's all about me. It's not all about our serving God. It's all about Jesus. Not just what he gives us to do, but what he himself shows himself to be to us. And then he gives us the privilege of just sharing that with others. We basically get to share the bread or the news about where the bread is Mm -hmm. and point people to it and say, come and get it. 
That is so powerful, you know, that it, your definition and understanding of what the life is has changed dramatically mm-hmm. from life as we sort of think of life to being Jesus Christ. Like kind of like Paul said, you know, that I want to know him yes. and the power of the resurrection yeah. and the fellowship uh-huh. of his suffering. And then he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, because what do I gain? Actual physical presence with Christ. I'm spiritually present with Christ now through his spirit, but I will be physically, actively present with Christ after my death. And that's what heaven and eternity is all about. We were talking uh, before we started to record about you were describing what, what faith is. Do you remember what you were saying about that? One way that I describe faith is it's saying, yes, you're telling me the truth. And I think we get off track when we compare amounts of faith. Mm -hmm. Either you believe or you don't. And to believe a statement is to have faith. You say, yes, God, this is true. Mm -hmm. When Jesus said, I have never seen more amazing faith, it was simply a man who said, hey, He's telling us the truth. You're telling me the truth. I know you've got the authority to heal my daughter. You don't have to come to my house. Just say the word. I understand authority. To have faith is to simply understand God's authority, understand God's faithfulness, and to believe each statement that he's given us is true. It's not trying to work up a happy feeling or a hope that we have. Mm -hmm. It's just taking God as his word. Jesus said to his disciples, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, the mountains I choose to move are going to be moved. So it's not really, oh, if only I had more faith, it would work. It just simply matters. Do I believe God's statement? Do I take him at his word? Mm -hmm. Then let's act on it. That's good. It's kind of all or none. Either you believe believe a specific thing or you don't. Or don't you? And I know that has been so in the forefront of your mind Pretty much every day, but especially during this. Oh, absolutely. It is essential in order to move through really any trial. Cancer is not a unique trial. It has a unique fear for many of us. Mm -hmm. You know, we hear the word and we get all nervous, but it's just one of many trials. We live in a world of trouble. Everybody's going to experience one kind or another of trouble. And either we're going to believe God and get through it in his peace. Jesus said... I've told you these things so that in me you will have peace. In this world, you're going to have trouble. It may be cancer. It may be brain surgery. It may be a lung disease like you have. Everybody has their own trouble, and we can't compare whose is greater, whose is less. God takes us through different stages. The only point is, in our trouble, will we believe what Jesus told us and thus have peace? Mm -hmm. Or won't we? And God has just been showing his word to us and showering us with opportunities to believe him and said, hey, here's what I have for you. Believe me. And that's all we have to do. That's all anyone has to do to experience peace in the roughest situation imaginable. Just believe what God told you. If you read his word, he'll give you the statements that you need and you just believe them. You know, there's an area that uh, we were talking about a little bit ago, too, in your life with regard to your leadership. Right. That uh, you are both exhibiting uh, faith. You're trusting God for what will happen. 
something has come to your heart and mind and has been impressed recently about yeah. you leading. Would and that, you mind that, that? Yeah, I would be glad to. And that is, God moved us. Let me first share, just for fun, how God brought me into leadership. I never wanted to be field team leader. It was not on my agenda. But I knew our old field team leader was leaving, and I didn't see who was going to take his place. And God used Jeremiah's letter to the exiles and a devotional about that to kind of work in my heart and prepare me, saying, hey, you're in a place you wouldn't choose to be, but make yourself at home there. You're going to be there for a while, and I'm going to be with you. So I'm reading this. At the same time, I get a letter from one of our friends on the field team saying, God has laid on my heart that you're to be our next chairman and you're going to be nominated. Don't turn it down. Then I read a devotional that went with it and it said, have you received a letter of spiritual counsel from a friend? If so, don't ignore it. <laughs> it's amazing what God puts together when he's moving us somewhere where maybe we wouldn't choose to go. So that's how I became field chairman. And God was right. I didn't get out of it quickly. Uh, I've led the field team for the last 20 years, and it has been really a joy. I mean, I've just seen God work in so many ways. He has used it in my life, and I've come to know him better through it. And now, where are you? Well, where we are now is I've got lymphoma. And that's a kind of cancer that doesn't have a clear endpoint and a clear cure. And the doctors can't tell us when we can go back and if we go back, how long it will be for. Sean's parents are also at a point where she's the only child. She could have to care for them at any point. So God has just clearly used this to lay on our hearts that, hey, it's time to transition the leadership to someone else. Your role is to support the team and to help them move through a transition to new leadership. We need to step back and tell our team, guys, we're here to help in any way we can, but we can't direct and be in charge from this point on. God has shown us we're not in charge of anything. And one of the things he's moving us out of is, in a sense, I, I don't like to call it that being in charge of the field team, because it doesn't really work that way. It's a very consensus-oriented, encouragement and counsel-oriented position. But God is definitely directing us that the time has come that we need to focus on encouraging the next generation of leadership. We have to move to encouraging the next leader of the that program. It's not always an easy transition for people who have, are used to leading, used to having a lot of influence by nature of all the things they're involved in. Yet I have heard you say that you have complete confidence that God is making this move. Right. You didn't decide mm -hmm. to do this, but you're like, oh, God is making this move. Just as so God made it absolutely clear, I had to be chairman. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. God has made it absolutely clear, I have to step down and now. That has been such a gracious gift of God to me as each major move in my life has been crystal clear. And it hasn't necessarily been crystal clear in advance. Every step God has just given when it's needed. You never know in advance. I'll be, how in the world am I going to make a decision? This is just too difficult. Well, we had this discussion before. And God always, yeah, yeah, God always 
at just the right time when you need it gives you exactly what you need to take the step he wants you to take if you wait on him to do so. How do you recognize that this is God speaking? This is God acting? Well, we already know that God is in charge of the universe. He is the king of the universe. And we know that he is active, alive and active, which means that he's controlling everything that happens. Every conversation, every event. He's in charge of all of it. Therefore, how do we know he's at work? That's who he is. He is the one that is at work all around us, which means he's either permitted a situation or he is directing that situation. Therefore, because he's the one that's in charge of all of it, all we say throughout our day is, how can we trust him in this? How can we honor him in this? How can we know him better in this moment? And how can we join him in what he wants to have done in this moment? So it starts with recognizing he's completely sovereign in everything. He, yep, he's and is working all. all around you. Yeah. And in us. And he's in, in charge you. of this whole thing. Yeah. yeah. And what I would say builds on that a little bit, I think. So we see that God is working. And we know God is going to invite us to a role in that work. It's not up to us to decide what we want to do for God. It's up to God to show us what he's doing and to make it clear what our part is, whether it would be me understanding where I'm to teach or me understanding I need to become field chairman or me understanding I need to do Bible translation. How did God tell me that? How did I know? Well, I went to seminary because I was serving as a teacher, and God burdened me to teach pastors. That transitioned me to seminary. When I was in seminary, I loved biblical languages. And my professor said to me, you should consider translation. At the same time, the field team wrote me and said, we're considering reopening translation for ethnic groups. Would you like to be a part of that? When God is at work or God is speaking to us, everything meshes. I love experiencing God by Henry Blackaby, which really lays that out clearly. And that has been kind of a guide for me and my leadership of our group, where again, he says, God's going to be working all around you. You need to have open eyes that he's going to invite you to be involved in his work. And when he does, how will you know that it's God speaking? Well, God will use circumstances He will use people, and he will use his word in some way, some combination of those things, and those things will start to line up. He will confirm one with the other, the circumstances, some person, not that everyone will agree, but when a person speaks God's word to you, you will recognize it as God's word, and it will line up. It will may disagree with 10 other people. But when that person speaks, you've got the Holy Spirit. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to speak to our hearts and point to us when, hey, that's God. You need to hear this. This is God's word. When I'm reading the Bible, a verse will jump off the page because the Holy Spirit says, this is for you. This is God's word for you in this situation. 
And so how do we know it's God? Well, because we have the Holy Spirit is really what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. And the Holy Spirit will use that combination of circumstances, events that occur, the people of God and the word of God. And you have already been sharing with us. You have a perspective that says God is active and that you have a perspective that says, yes, I believe you. Right. Yeah, you have to have that perspective or don't expect to hear or understand what God is saying. Yeah. It would just heap punishment on your head. <laughs> You've got to be ready to say yes to what God tells you. And I want to say, if you say yes, you will be blessed beyond anything you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Henry Blackaby said, when God invites you to be at work, it's going to be more than you can do. It's going to be beyond you. Mm-hmm. Don't limit your work to what you can do. God wants to be glorified in that. It will be way beyond you and it will take you right to a crisis of faith where you have to decide, yes, I believe you or no, I don't. I believe you can do this. I know I can't. That's where I took with you. You're dangling. You're dangling there. You got no clue how God is going to enable you to do this. I did not believe I had the natural gifts of field team leader. I had no, and I didn't, I had no desire to be in front. I was the guy that sat in the back reading magazines and heckling during all our field meetings. The people got so tired of my heckling, they made me field team leader. You know, there you but, go. that was a uh, wise move on their part. <laughs> but, but actually, you know, God put me in a situation where it was beyond me. And time after time, he's done that. And I'm dangling. You have a position that says, I recognize he's in charge of everything. Circumstances are coming. I say yes, and he's going to take me right to the edge that will require me to continue to say yes. Right. When it's a little And a lot of times things are going to fall apart right after that happens. (laughs) But we will know him more in that process. And there is nothing better. There is no better way to spend your life. To spend your life doing what you can do is to waste your life. To spend your life, I would even go so far to say limited by your gifts is a waste. God will use your gifts, but he's going to take you so far beyond them. His desire is that his strength would be made perfect and perfectly manifest in our weakness. God just doesn't just use our strengths. God uses our weakness and we need to be ready to be move way beyond what we think God has equipped us for. Uh, Henry Blackaby said, if God wants to move you in a certain area, if he calls you to do something, you can expect it will be something that you can't do and it will be a God-sized task. And we have found that to be the case time after time. And that is right where you are, of course, right now. That's where we have to. That's where God has put us. Harold and Sean, I just want to thank you. Thank you for sharing with me, allowing me to be part of what God is doing in your life. Jen, you have been an example to us. And I want you to say that Jan has walked through this same road. And her response has been to believe God in it. And she and her husband have been mentors to us in this, showing what it means to respond in faith to all that God is doing as she too has face terrible disease. She too has walked through difficult situations in difficult countries and she and her husband have moved way beyond what they saw as their original giftings and professions, which were medical. And they've moved into all sorts of mentoring and leadership. And we just want to affirm that you are living examples of everything we have said today. And we want to thank you for that. Thank you so much for being here.
Thank you, Jan, for giving us the privilege of praising God's name. I believe he wiped out leukemia to give me some time to praise his name. If he wipes out the lymphoma, I'll have more time to praise his name. And if not, I'll be with him. So we're in a win-win situation, and we want to praise his name for that. Thank you. This episode was recorded a while ago, back in 2018, shortly after Harold was diagnosed with cancer. So we wanted to give you a quick update on how Harold and Sean are doing now. They are still in the United States. Harold is still receiving treatments, but his most recent scans show that these treatments are effective and his oncologist will continue treatments this summer with hopes of remission. Harold is actually feeling well enough to be able to help Sean train for a half marathon in celebration of their 34th anniversary. Even though they are not where they expected to be or where they had truly where they had hoped to be, they are still watching God at work and they have also been able to continue some of their ministries. Harold is teaching online Bible courses, and Sean is proofreading literature, having regular prayer times with language teachers, and reading to preschoolers on Instagram, among other things. They are also watching from afar as God provides for the hospital and for the surrounding villages as they face the COVID-19 pandemic and all of its effects. Harold and Sean actually also just published a book. So if you listen to this episode and you would love to hear more of their thoughts on trusting God and resting in God during great difficulty, you can find that book. It's called Rest, and we'll put a link to it on the episodes page of our website. Psalm 107 verse 43 says about stories like this, those who are wise will take all this to heart. They will see in our history, the faithful love of the Lord. If you have a story you'd like to share, or you know of someone who does, please go to our website at www.seeinggodpodcast.wordpress.com and click on submit a story. God is doing things all over in all of his people. And we want to know about as many stories as possible. So please do go to the website and submit a story. Also, we would love to hear your thoughts on this episode or the podcast in general. You can tweet us at God Seeing or comment on our Instagram or Facebook pages at Seeing God Podcast. You can also email us at seeinggodpodcast at gmail.com. This episode was produced in the studios at Lancaster Bible College. I'm Emma Moore. Our interviewer is Jan Gebert. Our engineer is George Haynes. And our show music is Siberia by Dmitry Lukyanov. Thanks for listening to this episode of Seeing God. Seeing God.